the whiskey-loving tones and the microphone are brought to you by Inga Larissa and my whiskey partner in crime, Jennifer Rose. Yes, indeed. Whether you are a whiskey newbie or have been around the whiskey block for some time, buckle up for some whiskey mischief as we delve deeper into Scotch and explore whiskies from around the world. You can keep up to date with our global whiskey news in the Stick Your Nose in It section. And we hope you'll join us in raising a glass as we taste our drums and share our honest opinions. And of course, we will be interviewing some whiskey industry movers and shakers, as well as keeping those brains sharp in Whiskey Sisters Whiskey Facts. As always, we will be sharing our own whiskey journey and invite you to come along for the ride. Whiskey lovers, get your drums ready. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. In this week's episode, we will be chatting about an Irish distillery, which is also the world's oldest licensed whiskey distillery, Bushmills. And we will review their 10-year-old and 16-year-old single malt releases. But before we go any further, let's stick our noses in the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. The online Scotch Whiskey Award ceremony will be held on Saturday the 5th of November and the point is to celebrate whiskies that we as a united online whiskey community are enjoying. The whole process is designed to be as inclusive and outward looking as possible and the name comes from the Scotch loving community. It represents and you know perhaps confusingly is not actually limited to Scotch whiskey and Inca and I were very kindly asked to be contributors for this year's awards, which was amazing. Okay, and another news is that Buna, Buna Havin, has released the 2022 version of the limited edition cask strength 12-year-old whiskey, which takes inspiration from the distillery's Warehouse 9. It is matured in first and second Phil Oloroso sherry casks. It is said that the latest expression is richer in sweet chocolate and red fruits on the nose and carries a spicier finish, delivering bigger, richer and fuller flavors of Oloroso Sherry. And it's bottled at 56.6% ABV. Ooh, much excitement about this release. Yeah, I never even got to try the first one, actually. Mm. So maybe this time I'm going to get this one. Definitely. In other news, Highland Distillery Tomatin has released a limited edition range finished in wine casks from Portugal. The Portuguese collection comprises the Port Edition, the Moscatel Edition and the Madeira Edition. Each expression is bottled at 46% ABV. The trio of whiskies were distilled on the 8th of September 2006 and laid down in traditional oak casks for more than eight years. On the 23rd of April 2015, the whiskies were transferred into Tony Port, Moscatel, Dosebutal and Madeira wine casks for a further seven years. Apologies on the pronunciation as always. <laughs> <laughs> This all sound really amazing and they priced at around £90 okay. a bottle. But I was actually invited to London to this event. The kind oh. of whole like shebang, dinner, tasting. That sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, I know I these these event invites, it would be good if they came with like plane tickets and all that jazz. <laughs> I know, but we might be getting some samples, by the way. Oh, mm. watch this space. They do sound really nice, don't they? Whiskey sisters! 
Recently, we visited the Cask 88 in Edinburgh and sampled Jens Glendallen. Um, it's been a while since the previous tasting, so we thought we would share our experience with you. And yeah, so you can hear how, how the whiskey has evolved. Next up, Glendallen. If you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do at Cask 88, that would be great. My name is Kelia. I work at Cask 88 uh, in operations department, so I'm an operation assistant. We work behind scenes for all sales, before and after sales. We get samples, we do re-racks, we work with warehouses, uh, we do all the cask movements, bottling projects for clients and for our um, projects as well. I'm Sam, the head of content at Cask 88. Oh my goodness, I think it's really developed the colour. Definitely, yeah. Much more kind of caramel notes as opposed to, I found it more kind of golden straw like last yeah, time. Yeah, it's a bit more rusty maybe. The nose is just really nice. Yeah, definitely. The colour definitely has got to influence what you think about it. I think I'm more keen to sort of like, almost like detect the kind of, more caramelized sugary mm. notes maybe seeing the caramel color potentially yeah, yeah. of the same <laughs> really thick kind of weird syrup that you use for baking it's really cool yeah it's a really dark one yeah yeah that's the one i can definitely get on the nose like a treacle toffee yeah. for sure like a, a marzipan aroma but not so much a sugary one so last time it was very very spicy quite one-dimensional i thought maybe yeah, just needed a bit more time. Yeah, it was heavy on the spice last time. I feel that the spice is very much present, but softened and like kind of deepened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, like kind of Thai spices, like a really nice Thai soup, lemongrass with a bit of sweetness there. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. The spice is quite strong on the initial sip, but then it goes away reasonably quickly. It mellows, but I did find it, it sort of, it left a little sort of tingle on my tongue, almost like if you do have a, you know, like a, like a slightly spicy soup or... Or even a sort of um, quite elaborate toddy, just a little bit of uh, a little bit of tingle left over, um, as well as the finish, which I really appreciated. You felt some aniseed, aniseed, some spices, very gentle, a nice fresh finish, meaty yeah. dark chocolate finish. Mm. I enjoyed it more than when you know had the first sample, and I, I on the finish, I thought the finish was much longer than it had been previously, mm -hmm. and had a kind of satisfied sense that I've had a bit of coffee sponge cake. Did, did anyone feel that it's sort of like because we're not using really sort of sweet descriptives on this no. um, it, it, it wasn't super sweet was it it was more no. nutty than fruity if anything on the palate yeah exactly yeah. the nose was much sweeter than the palate mm. I'm quite I find it quite balanced at the moment mm. yeah I quite like the balance of flavours yeah I definitely the nose and like because I'm not massive fan of spicy whiskies. Yeah, but I can see why it works. I was nodding there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, was saying, I was nodding, and I realised that makes terrible radio. So yeah, I, 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 I did enjoy it. Um, <laughs> it felt like I don't know. It, it felt it felt sort of like, like quite a sort of calm whiskey without um, without sort of needing to scream its name too loudly. It was um, playing its cards quite casually and coolly. I like that. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? So less than a full calendar year, you know, sitting in that Oloroso cask and just the the marked difference that it's made. Magic. Yeah. So the question is, 
are you going to keep it in there for longer? What's the what's the next step? Or am yeah, I am yeah. I am I putting a bit too much pressure on right now? No, I think after this tasting, you know, I'm going to well maybe taste it like and sip again and mull over the options for the cast definitely because mm. um, there's so many different options opportunities. Yeah, watch this space. Mm. I'm enjoying the level of sweetness on the palate. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one getting a slightly saltiness in the whiskey? Or I'm going to have to look for it now because I didn't get it myself. Tiny, but tiny, tiny hint okay. of salt. It's growing on me. I prefer the colour. I prefer the nose. Fairly, you know, I, I would say, yeah, I would say I'm enjoying it on the palate. Is there anything you could tell us about Glendullen? Because it's not very... Well-known distillery. Personally, I don't think I've ever even heard of it before we tried yours last year. Yeah, it's not spoken about much, is it? It's one of those distilleries that's very committed to just making whiskey, and and don't think that because it's not really that well heard of that um, that it's a small distillery. Actually, Glendullen make a lot of whiskey, but it's one of those really traditional uh, distilleries where most. Almost all of their product goes into some of the world's really popular blends. But you do get a little bit of Glendullen single cask, but mostly in the United States. Yeah. Well, once bottled, there won't be a lot of other Glendullens uh, yeah. out there to sort of distract from it. Like, it's, um, it's, it's quite a cool, unique bottling. Not a lot of people will have seen a Glendullen. Thank you so much for hosting us here today. Really pleasantly surprised by the depth of changes. I like see like this is the first time that we've really experienced the how the whiskey changes over time and over the years and different casts. So like that's nice. It's a to, learning curve. Absolutely a learning curve and like part of the journey with the whiskey, like yeah. parallel to our whiskey journey. Mm. Yeah. I'm just really pleased that this this just sort of feels textbook. This is kind of what we would like as Cask 88 people to feel if you've gone and you've made this commitment of getting a whole cask of whiskey for yourself, but you've chosen it, you've waited, you've sampled it twice, you've seen how it's developed. This is now very much your whiskey done your way. And that's, uh, I hope, I hope that's a, a sort of rare pleasure. Absolutely. No, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Making my day. Waddled White Whiskies with the Whiskey Sisters. Like Jen mentioned earlier, Bushmills is the world's oldest licensed whiskey distillery. Located in the village of Bushmills in, in County Antrim, the local area has a long tradition of distilling. Sir Thomas Phillips, an Irish adventurer and a landowner, was granted a license to distill whiskey in 1608 by King James I. Although the company that originally built the distillery wasn't formed until 1784. And the distillery has paused production for periods of time, but has been continuous since it was rebuilt after the fire in 1885. Oof, that's a solid shift it's put in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. So in 1890, a steamship owned and operated by the distillery, SS Bushmills, made its maiden voyage across the Atlantic to deliver Bushmills whiskey to America. The route it took was to Philadelphia and New York City before heading on to Singapore, Hong Kong, Shanghai and Yokohama. 
Oh, proper whiskey cruise. I know. Just seems like party you know, boat. <laughs> <laughs> kind of dynamic adventures. <laughs> I bet they had tales to tell. In the early 20th century, the US was a very important market for Bushmills. American prohibition in 1920 came as a large blow to the Irish whiskey industry, but Bushmills managed to survive. Well done. Wilson Boyd, Bushmills director at the time, predicted the end of prohibition and had plenty of stock ready to be exported. In fact, with the repeal of Prohibition, Bushmills reportedly set sail for Chicago with the biggest shipment of whiskey ever to leave an Irish port. I guess they had lots of time to make more whiskey because they couldn't really sell and all that. Yeah, I think that's the thing as well, isn't it? That timing and just knowing there's going to be a demand. So super proactive all those years ago. By the 1960s, there were only three Irish whiskey distilleries left in Ireland. And together they formed Irish Distillers, a group that would work together as a team to keep the distilling going in the hopes of another wave of fame and popularity. So when after the Second World War... Bushmills Distillery was bought by Isaac Wolfson. It was no surprise that Bushmills was also taken over by Irish distillers. And these Irish distillers controlled the production of all Irish whiskey at that time. Ooh, a total monopoly. I can see them helping each other, but it sounds also a little bit controlling. <laughs> Finally, in 1988, Irish distillers teamed up with Bernard Ricard who would help with the export worldwide, opening the doors again for wider production. And in 2005, Diageo, another huge spirits group, bought Bushmills. Back in the 1850s, the Crown imposed a tax on those distilling in Ireland through a tax on barley. Even then, malted barley was known throughout the world to make the finest whiskey, known as pure malt whiskey. It was this tax that forever changed Irish whiskey, as almost Almost every Irish whiskey distillery began substituting corn or other inferior grains for barley, but not Bushmills. To this day, Bushmills continues to distill single malt whiskey. So Bushmills whiskey is made from three ingredients malted barley sourced from Southern Ireland in Kildare, distiller's yeast which comes from Scotland and Bushmills water from St Columns Rill, a tributary of the river Bush. Their whiskey is triple distilled using copper pot stills. Dram on fire. So let's start with the Bushmills 10-year-old, which is a marriage of single malts matured for at least 10 years in hand-selected bourbon barrels and sherry butts. And it's bottled at 40% ABV. So what did you think about the colour and the aroma? Okay, so for the 10-year-old, I thought it was quite kind of like quite light-coloured quite a honeycomb for me it was like I'm saying honey honeycomb on the color but it was a honeycomb uh, aroma I really got do you know this the confectionery like called puff candy it's like lumpy and it looks like kind of orangey yellow and it's very sweet and it's called Puff Candy. I don't know if I that... don't know if I know that actually. Oh, I must let you try. It's like kind of sickly sweet, but it's got quite a distinct, like kind of honeycomb flavour. Mm -hmm. A little bit like inside of a crunchy. Okay. And also pear drops, like the boiled mm -hmm. sweets pear drops. So yeah, that's what I got in the nose. What about you? Okay. <laughs> this is a... I was getting interesting aromas. So I had to kind of spend some time with this because I was hoping to find something other than this. So oh dear, hit us with it. I was getting 
like rubber, like very heavy. <laughs> it was specific type of rubber, like rubber gloves. Or then it hit me, balloons. <laughs> it smelled like balloons. Wow. Yeah, just I couldn't get past it for a long time. Kind of started to have something a little bit sweeter on the mm -hmm. background and something citrusy. I just kind of left it with the air and it was started, yeah, it definitely with the air, it was getting sweeter and I was starting to get a little bit more like melted uh, chocolate ice cream and some vanilla custard. Ah, But there was definitely still the lingering rubber. Do you know what on. I'm thinking? I had left mine to air a little bit before I, I began nosing it. So I kind of want to go back and nose it fresh to see if I can get the rubber. Yeah, balloons and rubber bands, that kind of rubber. So the palette was a little bit, had kind of watery texture. Maybe it was lacking a little bit of softness. It was quite spicy and malty, oaty biscuit. And then after a while, I was getting something salty and savory, which then I later on realized that actually the location is very close to the coastal line. So that could be bringing oh. a little bit of that saltiness into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I definitely get the oatiness. I've got a sweet oaty cookie and a malted cereal, like special K flake, something like that. Yeah. I know what you mean about like the wateriness, but I actually found it to kind of coat my mouth in a kind of thick way. So I've got a kind of, um, and that saltiness, I, I didn't so much get the saltiness, but I got a licorice kind of um, taste again. So yeah, that kind of, yeah. not quite so sweet and malty, something different. Later on with the air, I was getting really like juicy orange oh. and even the finis for me, it was quite citrusy. Okay. I think it was more oaty, like the oaty cookie again for me on the finish. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure what to expect with the 10, but I was quite surprised by like the aromas I got at first. Um, that didn't really translate to the yeah. palate for me. <laughs> I was quite surprised as well. Yeah, I, again, I, I didn't really know. I've never tried Bushmills before, actually. But yeah, it's mm, I could see it working in uh, some sort of cocktail or like a very easy highball or something in the summer. But I wouldn't necessarily be rushing back to the 10-year-old personally. So let's move on to the 16-year-old. This is a marriage of single malts matured in hand-selected Oloroso sherry butts and bourbon barrels, then finished in port pipes for up to a year. And it's bottled at 40 ABV. So Anka, did you get any rubberiness on the nose of the 16-year-old? Again, the colour was a uh, honey lightish colour and yeah. no, I didn't get rubber actually. Um, it started off with currants and some citrus and again there was uh, some sweetness lingering in the background which then later on for me changed into that vanilla custard and oaty and some cinnamon. Uh, so slightly similar but without the rubber. I kind of wasn't getting the citrus myself. I was getting a bit of a floral sweetness with the 16 in the nose, but I couldn't really describe what floral sweetness it was. Again, this is me going back to the confectionery. I don't know if you know Milky Way, mm -hmm. like candy yeah. bars. It's kind of got like a whipped fondant, that kind of whipped fondant mallow. I was getting that sweetness of the fondant on the nose. And the palate, again, started off a little bit spicy, but it really didn't last very long, I didn't think. Now, okay, on this one, I was actually getting coins and that rubber on the palette. No way. Yeah, like, you know, when you hold, you've had coins in your hands and then you smell your hand, they smell that kind of coiny. Slightly metallic. 
Yeah, there was like mm-hmm. the metallic thing and that rubber thing going on, which mm-hmm. then changed into, or like, there was then a bit more like something like apricot and I was getting mm-hmm. black orange similarities with both of them in a way, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm loving the like combinations that you're having on these. For me on the palette, it was kind of butterscotch pudding, you know, like a kind of whipped dessert with a butterscotch flavor. But the, the fruit for me was poached pears, apples, but a little bit of ginger spice. Well, yeah, with the air and towards, and also with the finish, I was getting a bit more like custard or that vanilla, you know, those like soy puddings, like, you know, they do the vanilla ones and the chocolate ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was getting that vanilla pudding type of thing. And again, that maltiness. Do you know, it's weird because I love when we get like similar tasting notes, but I'm also super intrigued when they're quite different because for me, it was less sweet on the finish. And I thought of like oat cakes, you know, more of a kind of savoury oat cake with butter on it. Oh, (laughs) I much preferred the 16 to the 10. What about you, Inka? Yeah, me too. Even if I was getting coins and rubber, but it actually kind of worked with the the blood orange and things like that. That was better. I preferred that one for sure. Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. As it is nearly Halloween, we have a ghostly fact for you. This one is based on the Isle of Judah. In 1781, Laird Archibald Campbell banned distilling and closed down the only distillery on the island. 29 years later, Campbell woke in the middle of the night to see a ghostly old woman hovering over his bed. She gave him such a strong telling off for the lack of whiskey on the island that it was said to persuade Campbell to reverse that decision and open a distillery at an old smuggler's cave in 1810. To ensure that no more ghosts appear to chastise politicians, it's said that a bottle of 16-year-old whiskey is still left in a secret cave somewhere on the island. The ghostly going-ons didn't stop there. Fast forward to 2010, two journalists visited Jura on a ghost hunt, attaching a collar with a webcam to the distillery's cat. We love (laughs) a distillery cat, don't we? (laughs) To see if they could actually catch out this ghost or any ghosts. And as you might have guessed, Elvis, the distillery cat, and his cat Cam, they caught a ghostly woman. Psychic Joan Charles was called to investigate and she revealed the presence of Elizabeth Quinn. Former distillery manager Willie Cochrane confirmed there had been a teacher called Elizabeth who lived on the island many years before. No way. That's quite mad that it was caught on the cat's camera, wasn't it? Do you believe in ghosts, Sanka? I don't know. Kind of. Yeah. I th- Yeah, I quite want to believe. Yeah, I know what you mean. Me too. And surely there's like energy floating about in some shape or form. But I think there's a lot of like absolute crackpots that are... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know when they do all those TV shows and then they have that kind of scary lighting anyway. Yeah. Someone makes a noise. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Next week, I will take you to my homeland through our special guests from Finland as we chat all things Finnish whiskey and sample a few special bottlings from Guro Distillery. I'm so looking forward to that. So if you have any Finnish bottles at home, pour yourself a dram and join us next Wednesday. And don't forget to enter our Drampire competition. If you're not on Instagram, you might want to get yourself an account and have a little nosy about our competition. All you need to do is post a picture or short 
video, something that's vampire and whiskey related, and you could potentially win some super juicy prizes, including some Glasgow Distillery peated whiskey, some timorous beastie goodies, and some whiskey sister swag. Oh, what's not to love there, Anka? <laughs> Everything is awesome. So our Instagram is at whiskey sisters dot podcast. Don't forget the dot, and it runs until the end of this month. May your glass be full and your dram on fire. Mm-hmm.